Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the show that could easily prove the source and sufficiency of our funding because we simply don't have any. It's Charlton Live does fighting tour. <laughs> So something a bit different for this week's pod. We're going to try our hand at a BBC Radio 5 live classic fighting talk where the sports stars, pundits and comedians alike pit their wits against each other to answer a series of sports-based questions this week with our own added Charlton twist. I'm the host, Louis Mendez, and let's introduce the first of our four contestants this afternoon. First up, the man they call the cat. It's Lewis Cat here on Charlton Live Does Fighting Talk. Lewis, how are you? Yeah, all good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Are you looking forward to this? Yeah, it's interesting. I was uh, worked hard on my answers, so I'm hoping it's yeah. uh, good enough. But yeah, interesting twist to the usual Charlton Live. Yeah, and we is it uh, Black Gabanza? That's your band, isn't it? It is. Yeah, so was that one of your songs I played? Because I, I searched it on the Google. <laughs> right, okay. So there you go. Something a lot of people might not have known about Lewis. Right, contestant number two, a man once christened the Calm Analyst on Charlton Live by a long-term fan of the show. Um, the Welsh wizard, Welshy Wallin, it's Tom Wallin. Tom, how are you? That was beautiful. <laughs> what, a lo- what a lovely tune. Yeah, I thought you might have enjoyed that. How, how, how's your week been? Yeah, not bad. Same as always. Stuck in the house doing nothing. So, you know, sometimes... Well, at least you've got a battle of wits now to keep yourself entertained on Saturday anyway. That's the hope. <laughs> yeah, right. Contestant number three, the other half of the successful Dragon and Nighthawk quiz team. Always living the dream. It's Nathan Muller. Nathan, how's it going? Living the dream, mate. Yeah. yeah. It was a bit harder to pick your, your entrance music, so I just went for that bloke you look like, Plan B. Um, yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, I once, once I, once I uh, uh, Tom's one, I thought he was going to get the German national anthem or something. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, here we go. But yeah, no, I'll settle for um, Plan B. It's not, it won't be the first time, I'm sure it won't be no. the last. Or you could have done Rebecca Radnerton, but I don't know how you'd do that one. But <laughs> just, uh, Yeah, dark, diving into water somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, everyone's all right though. Yeah, yeah are, you, are you ready with your answers? Of course I am. Of course yeah. I am, mate. Yeah, lovely stuff. Right, and let's uh, bring in, uh, last but not least, the most experienced member uh, of the panel, uh, Charlton Club commentator, the grand old man of Charlton Live. And I just want to point out that it was Amy and not me who picked your uh, entrance music, Terry. We've done it, Do you like that, Terry? I'm genuinely scared of what that was going to be, but I, you, know, you may or may not believe this, but I think I, I actually did believe that that was, is what it might be. So <laughs> oh, you thought out the possibility? <laughs> yeah. Uh, how you doing, Tell? Are you ready for this? Oh, I'm all right. No, no, I'm genuinely scared. <laughs> Good. That's where, That's how we uh, want it to be. Right then. So let's, uh, let me just explain the rules quickly. So we'll be going through a series of questions where the boys will be scored on their wit, their originality and their humour uh, for answers in a range of topical addicts topics. I'll be in charge uh, of the scoring. We'll keep you updated on the leaderboard throughout the show. The top two at the end of the show will go through to defend the indefensible where they will have to argue in, fa- argue in favour of a ridiculous statement for 20 seconds in order to be crowned the winner. So let's dive straight in. Uh, question one is all about this. You know, he's got the foundations to, to go on to be a, a really, really successful club. You know, we've got a great infrastructure, great young manager, um, a great director of football. Um, they've done a great job up until now. We are now. looking forward with our team, with our coach, with our fans uh, to develop the Charlton to be in the Premium Blue League very soon, inshallah, within two years. Your chairman. 
had raped the club with his team. I'm not happy to give my money to the people to rip this money. Are you still part of this club, Matt? Have you a message for Tanoon? Use the money for the bitches. <laughs> so there we go. East Street Investments promised plenty when they arrived at Charlton in January, but it hasn't taken long for it all to fall apart. Tanoon Namir and Matt Southall's public spat exposed the fragility of the new regime. Southall seems to have left the club, I think, uh, and now Tanun Namir has promised he will put money into the club this month. So what do you think is the best outcome for the club at this time? So that's the first question. Let's go straight into Nathan Muller. Uh, Nathan, what's your answer to question number one, please? Uh, yeah, no, it's a bit mad really, isn't it? I mean, I don't really... It's all turned into, um, turned into a bit of a mockery. And I just think it'll be nice, a little comedy, comedy sketch for SD7 down on Amazon Prime. We've all sort of laughed at <laughs> Sutherland Till I Die and stuff. I'm trying to come up with some sort of. I'm trying to come up with some sort of title without any swearing on it. It's quite quite hard, really, for me. Um, but yeah, it's a bit it's a bit of a mockery at the moment, especially the stuff that come on the website yesterday. Um, it still doesn't provide much information, but it's a bit of a circus at the moment. And I mean, once I once I get a get that get that title together, I'll um, obviously I'll share it. But there might be quite lots of expletives in there. <laughs> Right, so uh, Nathan wants to see some sort of comedy show. Uh, Terry, your answer to the question, what do you think uh, will happen next? What do you think the best outcome is for the club at this moment in time? Well, assuming we have any listeners left after the uh, after, after what you played out at the beginning, um, <laughs> I mean, some say, obviously, we, we need a mysterious benefactor loaded to the eyeballs with squillions to come uh, marauding across the South London horizon. But I'm aiming for something far more likely and not at all far-fetched. It's, um, what we need right now uh, is... Yes, the return of the fan sofa. Now, bear with me. Uh, think about it. During during its sad demise, our favourite piece of furniture only lost its cushions when the contents were scattered to the four corners of the valley. So, whilst we can accept that um, that our owner at the time, uh, during the period, may well have been a few armchairs short of a three-piece suite, even he wasn't bonkers enough to stuff the cushions of the sofa with 50-euro notes. Uh, given the proximity to the rear ends of some, some of the Charlton fans who wouldn't have exactly had him on the Christmas card list. So... But he may well have been stupid or crafty enough, delete as appropriate, to store his millions away, as many rich fruitcakes have been known to do in the past, down on the back of the sofa. So, find a piece of furniture, open up the back, and voila, our troubles are over. And we may even be able to cash in on the fluff left behind to uh, send the old duck for a year's supply of duct tapers. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. So, no, uh, Terry wants to check down the uh, back of the sofa. Right, let's have a look. Uh, Lewis, what do you reckon uh, could happen next? What do you hope will happen next with the club? Well, it's all been a bit balmy, isn't it? I mean, you only have to go back to the, the last show we attempted to do at the Valley before the, uh, the COVID lockdown, where we were greeted by you know the, the boys in blue and Matt Southall um, somehow refusing to leave the Valley. Um, it's a, a difficult thing for me. I think my concern now is is, is if uh, Tanoon, Claudio, and Marion have got the what it is to, you know what it means to run a football club in one of the most competitive leagues. So. I think I'd have to I'd have to say at the moment I think the only thing I can see being the uh, the outcome is the the return of the the mighty Roland de Chatelet. At the moment, <laughs> that's the only that's the only way I can see us uh, not dipping into uh, well potentially disappearing off the face of the earth. So yeah, there you go. That's I, never, what I think it's going to be. I never thought I'd find myself in a situation where I'm handing out loads of points to people suggesting that Roland should come back to the club. But uh, there we are. Right, final uh, person needs to answer question number one. Then Tom Wallin. Um, what would you think? What do you hope could happen next at the Valley? Uh, well, what I hope happens is that for years, Parksy and Tracy and Ollie and Mick Everett have been working on some sort of syndicate for the Euro Millions, and uh, <laughs> they're going to scoop a sweet, sweet prize, buy the club on behalf of the fans, and hand it over to a, a shrewd businessman who has a genuine love of the club. That'd be the that'd be the dream. Um, what do I think is going to happen? I imagine Tanoon and South all are going to continue their little childish squabbles across all kinds of social media until their lawyers finally get a grip on them and, and sort the pair of them out. So, um, yeah, quite a quite a change between what I want to happen and what I can see happening. But uh, I suspect at the end of it all, Tanoon may well own the club, but how much money he's got, I, I guess we're going to have to wait and see. Lovely stuff. Loads of points there. Right, excellent. Now, anyone who is a fan of uh, Fight and Talk uh, will know that question number two uh, is always a listener question, so they get someone to phone in. So let's, fel let's welcome to the show a uh, fighting talk fan and, of course, the former Charlton Live host, uh, Peter Finch. Finchy, great to have you on the show. How are you? Uh, not too bad, mate. How are you all doing? Yeah, yeah not too bad. How you been keeping in the lockdown? How you been keeping busy? <laughs> 
Um, lots of radio stuff. I seem to be in the studio t- 24 hours a day at the moment. It's yeah. a bit of a nightmare. Well, you've been socially distanced from the outside world, I guess, at least. Uh, yeah, no listeners either, so it's fine. It's just me on my own talking <laughs> to a microphone. It's yeah. shocking. Yeah. And you, are you enjoying uh, all the goings-on at the Valley? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. I mean, you, you would think, you know, with a takeover, we all wanted a takeover. And everyone, just some people saying, be careful what you wish for. Good grief, you couldn't have predicted this, yeah. did you, really? All right, lovely stuff. Right, so uh, question number two has been written by you. Uh, why don't you let us know what your question is for the lads? Right, OK, since the start of the, the lockdown, a lot of people have been wondering what will be the status of loan players uh, if the season is extended beyond the end of June. Uh, so my question, in your time as a CAFC fan, who is the worst loan signing you've seen? Lovely stuff, great question. So hang on the line, Finchy. there. You'll be in charge of yep. giving out two bonus points uh, after this. But let's bring in, let's say, Lewis, a uh, question uh, for you. Who is the worst loanee you've ever seen at Charlton? So, my choice for this one was uh, standardly aged midfield maestro, Anal Koch. Uh, <laughs> not only because of the name, uh, but also because he went on to make a whopping uh, game-changing zero appearances for the Addicts, uh, despite marching around the dressing room like he owned the place. Uh, I did originally think that we might have uh, signed him to boost shirt sale printing <laughs> in what was a bit of a topsy-turvy season. Um, so, I've gone for Anal Koch, who mm. is currently, as well, making a very uh, similar impact in the Turkish division where he's made zero appearances for <laughs> Hassim Parsa. Yeah. You think if, if someone wanted to sign Anil Kok purely for uh, promotional, you think it'd be the Dildo brothers at West Ham, wouldn't you? But <laughs> there we go. Good, uh, uh, good answer. Right, let's bring in uh, Terry. Worst loan signing? Well, actually, on a very similar thing to Lewis's <clears throat> because, um, you know, we've had our fair share of Equus Essenus uh, that have been more at home at Blackpool, Leisure Beach or Stamford Bridge even. Uh, but my loan selection sort of transcends footballing prowess or otherwise. Uh, cast your minds back to our 2015-16 season, if you will, for, for which relegation was merely the dessert uh, in a feast of footballing comedy. Uh, a season that gave us the combined footballing genius of Guy Luzon and the one and only Carol Fry. Uh, and as the season raced towards a thrilling anticlimax, we turned towards a 34-year-old French international centre-half to save us from certain doom. Loaned in from Qatari Giants, Al Arabi Sports Club, with two months of the season left. I mean, it's still unclear whether Rod was signed in a deliberate attempt to detract us from the pen, from our pending fate. So when he was paired with our South Korean rock, Yun Suk Yung, uh, we would spend more time chuckling childishly at the team sheet and completely forget about the circus that the club had become. <laughs> Sadly, the combination of Fanny and Suk Yung uh, in reverse only served to add to the whole debacle. Now, if we'd have added uh, Lewis's, <laughs> Lewis's selection on top of that, who knows what could have happened. Uh, I do wonder that uh, how the footballing authorities would have interpreted the referee's notepad and players number 2 and 15 being booked in the right order. Yeah, well, we... we <laughs> Yeah, we had Roger Johnson as, uh, at the same time as well, and both of these names are a different word for, uh, well, we know where we're going with that. Right, uh, Tom, who was the worst loner you ever saw at the Valley? I can't see any reason not to be picking Guadalupe International, Churam, uh, Johan Churam Ulien, um, <laughs> one of those players that it's rumoured turned up at Sparrows Lane with a suitcase and just announced to Chris Powell that he joined the club as a new goalkeeper. Um I don't think Powell had any idea who he was or even whether he was a footballer. And having played him for four games, I'm still not sure that Powell had any <laughs> idea whether he was a footballer or not. Yeah. Um, now, I'm quite happy to admit that I am an appalling footballer and you guys have seen that in the uh, Football versus Homophobia tournament. But I, for one, I understand that I have hands. And for two, if I was a goalkeeper, I'd understand that I'm allowed to use them. Um, but the very idea of, of hands, catching, throwing just seemed completely lost on uh, on old Johan who then went off to Le Havre um, and apparently is now plying his trade at Le Mans football club um, so yeah for me it has to be Johan Turem Ulien Excellent stuff good research there as well right final then uh, on the listener question number two Nathan who is the worst loan signing you've seen down at the Valley Yeah it's, diff- it's difficult isn't it really I mean like Terry said we've had um, we've had our fair few of uh, wrong ones, really. Um, <laughs> wrong ones. <laughs> but, yeah. But, I mean, for me, I mean, it was hard because, you know, Fanny. I mean, I like Fanny. And, like, you know, it, was, it doesn't really matter. He was rubbish. But, the, for me, the worst one, even though it would probably be going against the grain, was Reese Williams. Reason being because, you know, we're struggling relegation. I tell you what, we'll sure up the defence. You get an experience international win. 
get him in for a couple of games, shore it up a little bit. And he played three times. You can see, you know, and he's um, it's not just him. I know it's not just him, but he played three times. When he was on the pitch, we conceded eight goals. You know, <laughs> weren't six of those like, in one game against Hull. Exactly. So these are the, the right. So we, these were no injury problems. Drew one all with Blackburn, and then we lost six 0 at home. Subbed in the sixtieth minute, centre half. Yeah, lost five 0 at Huddersfield. Subbed in the sixty second minute. Not being funny. If you're centre half, right, and you get subbed after sixty minutes, that's pony, right? You're better <laughs> off with you're better off with I don't know Robbie Williams or Robin Williams. I know he's dead, but he probably will <laughs> do, do a better job than Robbie <laughs> Williams. There do you know go. what I mean? Loads of points uh, there yeah. for implying that we should have uh, should have employed a dead uh, comedian <laughs> at centre half instead of Reese Williams. Right, good answers there. Uh, let's bring uh, Finchy back in. Then Finchy, you heard all of those answers. Who would you like to give your two bonus points to? The standard is very high because, I mean, you, 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 it's difficult to resist uh, Fanny and, and difficult to resist Cock as well. <laughs> and Johan, and Johan Turan, well, I mean, yeah, genuinely, what was he doing? But I've got to give it to Nathan. Reese Williams pulled that one out from nowhere. It's got to be Nathan. Excellent stuff. Two points. Uh, bonus points then for Nathan Finchie. Great to have you on the pod. Good to speak to you again. I hope you're keeping well. And I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Yeah, cheers, fellas. Have a good one. Ta-ra. Lovely stuff. So, right, let's have a look at the scores then after two rounds. Uh, it's a two-way tie for last place at the moment. Lewis and Tom both sitting on six points. Terry uh, up there in second on seven. Uh, Nathan now with those two bonus points awarded by Finchy uh, moves up to eight points. Right, let's move on to question uh, number three uh, is an audio question again. Uh, question number three uh, is all about this. Thank you. That's what, a couple of weeks' work? Yeah, probably about that, yeah, since lockdown. So there we go, Charlton defender Tom Lockyer there has been using his time in lockdown to learn the piano as he displayed during his Instagram chat uh, with the club the other day. So I'd like to know uh, from the panel, uh, who would you like to be locked in with, Charlton player past or present? And also, uh, which Charlton player past or present would you desperately like to avoid uh, being locked in with? Uh, Let's go first to Tom. I don't know how many points I'm going to get for the blatantly obvious, but um, happily spend lockdown with Johnny Williams. Um, It's a shame (laughs) we're not already. But we all saw the post on Twitter. Um, He enjoyed lasagna. I make a great lasagna. He loves listening to 80s and 90s music. And as mine and Nath's trip to to Plymouth a couple of seasons ago, Nath can testify that I love a bit of old tunes. (laughs) So we'd be happy there. We can chat about Wales. We could uh, we could play FIFA together, and he said if he could only watch one film during lockdown, it'd be Step Brothers. So obviously we can re- recreate some of the great scenes. We can fight in the garden. We can build bunk beds. We can play in a band together. I reckon we'd have an absolutely lovely time. Yeah. Um, I'd just desperate not to isolate with Andrew Crofts, and I spent a while trying to find some puns or something funny here, but there wasn't any really. I just couldn't stand the bloke, um, and he was so. The problem I've got with him is he was so clumsy. If we were locked in a house together, think how much stuff he's going to break. He'd be tripping me up. I'd probably fall downstairs about three or four times because he'd just be tackling me. It would just be absolute chaos. And I'd probably end up dead or <laughs> with a bit of luck, he would first. Oh, lovely so, um, yeah, that would just be a nightmare. Right, nice one. Uh, Lewis, who would you like to be locked in with and who would you most like to avoid being locked in? So I've actually gone for Tom's choice of worst loan. I would like to be... Uh, in self-isolation with Johan Turam Ullian because if, if there's one thing you can guarantee about Johan is that he can't catch anything. So <laughs> there is no, there is absolutely no way that he'd be able to pass anything on. Bearing in mind his passing was pretty poor as well. Um, one, I think, a yeah, serious answer, I'd actually like to isolate with Chris Powell because I think I'd have a lovely time uh, re-watching that title-winning season. Um, I could listen to that man talk about Charlton with that passion all day, every single day. So I'd love to sit indoors with him and just hear the stories that he's got sure he's got a few crazy ones about Roland as well. Um, I couldn't isolate 
with Jason Pearce because the man currently has been deprived of football and hasn't been able to commit any last-ditch rugby tackles uh, in the box <laughs> at the moment. So I can imagine, I can picture myself standing at the kitchen, minding my own business, making a cup of tea and feeling Jason Pearce two-foot tackle me from behind and knock all my cup of tea everywhere. Uh, and I, that's why I couldn't isolate with Jason Pearce. Lovely stuff. Right, uh, Nathan, who would you love to be isolated with and who would you try to avoid? Uh, for me, it's my uh, to isolate with is my brother from another mother. He's a uh, Navi Sar, obviously. <laughs> but not only we do get told we look like a lot like each other, which is fine. But you know, he's, he's a funny chap. You know, you could have him as a bodyguard. So if someone comes in and tries nicking my toilet roll, he will be there as a bloody rock. You know what I mean? And uh, obviously, he can dance. He can dance like myself, like you lot obviously know. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, he's an entertaining chap, and like, yeah, he's just—I think it'd be brilliant. But um, to, without, I, I don't think I'd like to be isolated uh, with Bose. I just think, you know, he'll be make me do press ups every day and bloody shuttle runs outside. I'll go into the kitchen and try and get some of Bose biscuits, and he'll give me a clap round the head. I'll try and get have, have one of Bose's baps. He'll again try and clump you around the head. Um, and you know, if I have my two music too loud, or if I bring a bird home he'll just keep going nuts by keep going keep banging keep banging but <laughs> apart from that apart from that that's why I don't want him on here with my relationship and everything so I think yeah Nabby and Bose would be my calls lovely stuff and finally Terry then I mean you've already managed to get in some, into arguments this week which we won't go into despite being locked inside a house um, <laughs> uh, but what's your answers well, I might have to change my mind because I might, have to, I might want to be logged in with Nathan because if he's got the ability to bring a bird home in isolation, I think I want a bit of that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but but no, um, my choice has to be Yann Cameron. Um, firstly, you'd be able to spend endless hours reminiscing about his performances and the goals of our French legend while he, while he graced our club. But also vitally important during a period where health and safety is of paramount importance would be that you know he'd have the largest supply of first aid equipment of any other player on earth, on earth in case of emergencies. Uh, certainly no shortages of head bandages, that's for sure. Uh, but lastly, and mainly, he was French uh, and using national stereotyping to its fullest extent. He has to be able to cook, right? I mean, we know Yank could eat. <laughs> he returned, for a, returned after, you know, for a pre-season, not only looking like he'd spent the summer uh, visiting Michelin star eating establishments too frequently, but his Michelin man appearance didn't go unnoticed either. So what better in isolation? You talk footy endlessly with a legend, uh, Charlton legend, you stay safe with an experienced hero of footballing trenches and you go gastronomic toe-to-toe eating cordon bleu cuisine with a fellow Billy Gut Bucket. So uh, he's my uh, he's my isolation man. Um, now, who I wouldn't want to be isolated with, Matt Holland. Yeah, I know. Captain I can hear the collecting <laughs> What? Uh, my own family, especially Karen's on the brink of disowning me. Uh, but, but hear me out. Matt Holland is quite simply the nicest man in football. Right. And of course, a child and Irish legend. But do I want to be stuck for days, weeks, and even months on end with constant nice? I mean, put it in perspective. Matt went through ten seasons playing for Ipswich, Charlton, and Ireland without one single red card. He only missed ten yellows in the same period, going through six seasons with no cards at all. The man just drips niceness. He's the sort of man that would have his leg broken in a tackle and apologise for it. You know, there'd, there'd be times during isolation where you want to blow off steam, scream, shout obscenities for no apparent reason, and have a, a bloody good argument basically, and Matt would show some sympathy, complete understanding, tell me everything would be all right. How bloody annoying would that be? He'd probably cook me things that would be good for me. I'd be on <laughs> tofu and cabbage water with you know a special treat of sautéed elderflower berries for bloody months. Uh, Matt probably farts in a bag and drives to the local council tip to release it so as he wouldn't inconvenience anyone. I mean, he even in an interview said nice things about Roy Keane. Who the hell says nice things about Roy Keane? <laughs> So Matt, I love you to bits. I worship the ground you walk on, but there's no way I could be arsed with you. Sorry. Lovely stuff. Some pretty good answers there. Very, very tight on Charlton Life does fight and talk. All the players are within at one point uh, of each other. Right, let's move on to question four. It's another audio question. Have a listen to this. Well, how fitting that it should come down to these two. Olive in her familiar black, five times the champion. Mabel, the rising star winner last year. You can see how excited they are but also feel the tension Get on with it. and here it's in the crowd as we near the start of this final and now they go Olive away first but a problem with Mabel's ball that might cost her now having to play catch up both settling quickly into rhythm you can see the contrast in styles Mabel heavy tail use happy to be alive everything's amazing Olive more steady 
wasting little energy. Very much of the old Labrador school eating is a serious business. Don't bollocks around wagging your tail. So that's uh, sports broadcaster Andrew Cotter. Uh, he's taken to commentating on his dogs eating dinner to try and fill the void. Uh, as all professional sport has been haunted during the lockdown. So I want to know, uh, where have you been getting uh, your sporting fix uh, in the last few weeks? Let's go to Terry first up, please. Soul sporting event, you know, but the house and the garden is just simply not big enough for, for a gymnasium, for example, or a cycling track or a swimming pool. Um, so uh, oh, they're also yet, by the way, to give, um, able to invent a trampoline capable of taking my weight. And uh, to be <laughs> fair, if they did, my first bounce would send me hurtling towards the space station. So that's a non-starter. Uh, balloon stair tennis, um, also not an option. I'm short of the right gradient of stair, a landing or a younger sibling. And one day I'll explain that fully for me because people <laughs> wonder what the hell I'm talking about. So those not an option it has to be pencil cricket uh, a table top sport which allowed me to drift away and pretend to be at Lords rather than Mr Henderson's mind-numbingly dull physics class while at school whilst appearing then to actually write stuff so I could get away with it uh, I'm able to pick my all-star team to play against the ultimate in evil opponents near Australia uh, I could get scores of 1, 2, 4 and 6 they're available on the pencil as well as an umpiring decisions of not out LBW caught and bold while you await the role of an owl's hatch on the pencil commentary usually provides Provided by a mixture of John Arlott and Brian Johnson and Eggers. And uh, if I play it early enough in the morning, there's every chance of a streaker. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Right, well, it does, sounds like fun in your house. Streaker's knocking about. <laughs> uh, right, um, same question to uh, Nathan. How have you been getting your sporting fix during the lockdown? I've been struggling a bit, mate, if I'm honest with you. But... Um... There's a, hear me out a little bit, like there's, there's chicken races, right? <laughs> chicken races on, chicken races on, uh, on, on TalkSport, and that's quite entertaining, it's really exciting, <laughs> and then, um, but I mean, to be fair, I mean, it's, <laughs> I knew that was coming, but, um, yeah, no, it's, there's not really a lot to go on at the moment, but I mean, I've been trying to, trying to get into sort of chicken racing, maybe try to put some bets on maybe the chicken races because I think Belarusian football is the only thing you can look at at the moment um, I was offered um, I was offered to watch some offered I was offered some sort of virtual cockfighting which ain't really my cup of tea if I'm honest um, I didn't really want to go down that road um, do you want to click on the link that says that as well if you don't know where you're going to end up <laughs> exactly so yeah I didn't know um, I didn't know I'd be starving in it you know so um, I swerved it <laughs> But um, yeah, that's no, not yeah. So I've been struggling a little bit, mate. Yeah. But yeah, chicken, chicken racing and just sweeping <laughs> the trees really, which ain't really sport. But um, yeah, yeah, that's what I've been up to. There we go. What about uh, Tom? Uh, how have you been getting your sporting fix during the lockdown? I've basically been turning everything in the house into a competition. Um, so I mean, we've all done it. You get you're getting ready for bed. You take your pants off. You stand in the other side of the room to the to the dirty clothes basket, and you think, I wonder if I can flick these pants straight in there. Um, but I'm just doing it with everything now, socks, T-shirts, wherever. Can I do it with my eyes closed? Can I do it from another room? Um, when I get out of bed in the night, can I get through to the toilet without the cat waking up? Can I get through without touching the floor? We've got a big rug in the bedroom, so can I avoid that? Um, basically, anything that I'm doing in this house, I'm trying to make a competition of it as if my life depends on it. Um, even when I'm out for a run, I'll just be running along, listening to a bit of music, see a lamppost, I think. If I don't get to that lamppost before this song finishes, I'm probably going to die. So I've got to get to that lamppost. I've got to get there. So I'll just tune that up, keep things a bit exciting. Um, and then also, you know, we've mentioned the cat a few times on the show. He's so curious. He wants to know everything that's going on. So I just spend most of my life commentating. So instead of talking to myself, I'm just telling the cat everything that's going on, <laughs> just so that he's up to date and feels a part of it, really. So it's pretty much like being on a, on Valley Pass, not that I'm comparing our listeners to cats. <laughs> there we go. Good answer. And of course, I enjoyed the mental image of Tom uh, taking off his pants at the top of that. And then finally then, Lewis, uh, how have you been getting your sporting fix during the lockdown? Well, it's been difficult, mate. So I've been playing an, uh, well a horrendous amount of FIFA during lockdown to get my footballing fix. Um, I've had a couple of competitions online with random strangers and got annoyed at losing to 12-year-old people online and, and getting frustrated <laughs> and smashing a few controllers. Uh, so I gave up on that side of it and created a, a career mode with Leighton Orient right at the bottom of League 2. Uh, created all of us as players to make it interesting and to keep it realistic it turns out Nathan Muller got sent off on his debut so that, <laughs> <laughs> judging by some of the tackles he puts in at charity events is very fitting um, 
I've been doing the sports quiz on Saturday nights as well, which has been good fun. Um, it's kind of come away from football now. And my friend Kieran that comes to the games with me on a Saturday, he's uh, a question the other day about banned substances in the sport of worm charming, which you wouldn't believe was a sport, but apparently it is. Uh, and you're not allowed to use washing up liquid because it kills the worms. Uh, and that's been, a, that's been I've been getting my uh, my sporting fix at the moment. Yeah, Very there, sad. There we go. There's been a lot of inadvertent chat about worm charming throughout the show, unfortunately, especially with some of the funny uh, loanee names we have. But there we go. Right, excellent. Uh, loads of points. All right, one more uh, question before we do the scores. Uh, this one uh, relates to uh, this rather famous uh, bit of Chutwin audio. Like all night long, he was just like 50-50s going to them, going to them. I don't know whether their manager... Because he's just like this big geezer that's standing on the side, he's bullying like the, the fourth official, constantly hammering the fourth official, then the, maybe he's afraid. I don't know. But I feel like maybe he's been bullied into that because every slight decision went to them. Every single one. So there we go. Lee Bowie was particularly unhappy with the referee's performance during last season's 1-0 home defeat against Peterborough. He also managed to slip in a little dig uh, at posh boss Steve Big Geezer Evans. So I want to know, if you were able to hurl insults and an opposition manager in the press, who would you go for and what would you say? Tom, uh, which manager would you be aiming your ire at? Yeah, this is the difference between Lee Bowyer and me. He picks on someone who's about 25 stone and I've gone for one of the smallest managers in football um, <laughs> because I'm a coward. I would go for Billy Davis, um, ex-manager, obviously now, but... I was at uni in Nottingham when he was the forest manager, so we used to go there quite a lot. And he just used to do my head in. Um, He's one of those managers that just moaned at every decision, just small man syndrome, really, and I I just didn't like him. As I mentioned earlier, he's small, so if it kicks off, I think I'd probably stand a chance. He strikes me as very angry, though. I reckon he he could throw a few few anger punches if he needed to. He's definitely going to be swinging his fists, isn't he? But the good news is that if I just hold my hand out and put a hand on his head, he probably can't reach me. So um, I think I'd start in the pre-match, you know, get inside his head, tell the press we've raised the dugout to ensure he can still see, left a little stepladder in there for him. Um, and then after the game, if we're scrapping in the tunnel, maybe ask him if he wants me to go in and, and run him a sink instead of a bar. Um, and then in the post-match, I'd just keep, keep in dropping in little small petty references, really. You know, thought there was very little between the sides. My players kind of snuck in there like a borrower. Short corner routine work to treat. That kind of stuff, really. Just little... (laughs) little petty digs to just wind him up lovely um, stuff so yeah it would have to be Billy Davis lovely stuff what about you Lewis which manager will you be aiming your fire at in the press conference well I mean I feel a bit harsh for picking him because I imagine he's actually quite a nice bloke but similar uh, with Tom in terms of stature I picked on uh, Grant McCann uh, currently of Hull City <laughs> mainly because I, I took a bit of a dislike into him last season when he, uh, he seemed to belittle uh, our spirited Lee Bowyer Charlton side in the playoffs uh, and I think the same thing. I reckon I could take him in a fight because he's got the same bottle as Doncaster Rovers players had in that penalty shootout. I think I'd be okay. Um, that, yeah, I mean, I'd have to go with him. I, he said some things about how most of his Doncaster Rovers side would walk into the Charlton eleven, which I found a bit cocky. And then he was left with uh, with sort of egg in his face when when we beat him on penalties. So again, mainly picked him because of his stature. Because I think I could probably, yeah, uh, you know, I wouldn't feel I wouldn't again. I wouldn't want to take on Steve Evans because I think he'd probably flatten me if he if he went for me. Uh, Grant McCann, a little bit smaller, so I reckon I could take him. But mainly based on the fact that he was a little bit cocky in the playoffs and it came back to bite him on the backside. But then he did beat us with Hull in the last minute this year, so he did kind of get the last laugh. Ah, that's all in. Uh, who cares? We're, we we got promoted with our club. He, he had to get a new job to get promoted, so it doesn't count. Right, uh, Terry, who would you go for? Yeah, tough choice this one, and uh, the two that the, the guys have mentioned uh, should be on the uh, could be on the list as well. You know, the, the choice of men who've had some storming candidates over the years. It's quite a fancy having a verbal tirade at Steve Evans or Mick McCarthy, Roy Keane, Lee Johnson. There's just so many to choose from. But even I'd like to even cross all with Brian Clough, uh, knowing even knowing he'd eat me for breakfast and verbally dismissing me with ease, while still be polite enough to say uh, call me young man at the end. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, uh, I think. For me, it has to be Ian Dowie. While he was at Palace as well, it has to be that particular man in that particular period. Because aside from the obvious that he was in charge of the most pointless and most disliked football club on earth, uh, he was an utter fraud as a manager. He failed utterly at Oldham and then somehow fluked the Palace job. Inherited a decent side from Trevor Francis and fluked promotion to the Premier League as well. Uh, and if just if 
but I managed to get under his skin, get the damage during the press conference after we relegated them from the aforementioned fluke Premier League position. My verbal tirade might just have made him think twice about coming to us and absolutely ruining us in a quite horrendous six-month stint that, meant it, that also meant we ended up with Pardew, which uh, <laughs> who then ruined us for another five bloody years. Yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, we still still see him, don't we, at, at the odd away game, don't we, in the, in the press room. And it's always a, a beautiful sight, isn't it? Yeah, nobody talks to him either, have you noticed? Yeah, I know. I know, he's too scared to come near anyone wearing a Charlton badge. Right, finally, Nathan, which manager uh, would you be willing to slag off in the press and which one, um, what would you uh, have to say about them? Uh, I'd have to go with um, Tony Pulis. You know, a bit, I know it's against Egwene a little bit. I know he's ex-Palace and all that, but one thing I've always, I've always, I know he's got a reputation of keeping... You know, keeping people up and and that sort of stuff, keeping teams up, rather. But I, I just always wanted to ask him, like, you know, why have your why is your tactics never sort of changed and moved with the time, sort of things? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like it's just really dull. So like, I'm just, I'd say, you know, is your sex life as dull as your tactics? Like <laughs> I said, do you still only do missionary with your wife? Do you do you keep your cap on when you make love to your wife? And then just I just want to know those sort of answers because for me, obviously you can see what the football means, but they're the sort of the nitty gritty questions that I think I think a lot of people would like to read about. It's amazing Maybe. where your mind has been wandering during this lockdown. You finally got onto Tony Pulis's sex life. <laughs> There we go, right, lots of points for that. That's a, one of the stranger answers we've had so far, but I like it. I think my answer uh, for this one would have been Uwe Rosler. Uh, do you remember him? Uh, I mean, Bob Peters celebrating in front of him when, when we beat his Wigan side, but was it his Fleetwood team scoring a last-minute equaliser? Or can't remember who. He, uh, if I think it was Fleetwood he was managing when he celebrated in front of the covered end himself. He was one uh, who really wound me up over the years. Right, let's have a look at the scores. Uh, who have we got right Nathan you've dropped down into last place but you're still within touching distance you're on 16 Lewis is on 17 uh, and there's a two way tie currently uh, for first place uh, Terry and Tom uh, both sitting up there on 18 there's still plenty of points to play for in the second half of the show and let's have a quick one before we go to the break it's a simple one uh, we've been threatening to do it for years and years uh, when we have a really quiet week and we finally have one uh, it's a fighting talk staple as well so I want to know uh, Nathan you first Charlton players as biscuits. Yeah, so I've gone for um, three three players. I've found this one quite tricky. I don't know about the other lads because I was trying to make sort of, you know, like like ability stuff. But I think I've gone with Chris Solly, as you know, he's a shortbread, right? So <laughs> seven out, Solly, seven eight out of ten. Yeah, no, you don't really get. It's rare you get a, a nearly sword then, rather shortbread, right? Always nice. I'm not saying he's tasty or anything, but well, he is, I suppose, if that's your cup of tea. Sure, anyway, well. is that what you're going for there? Yeah, shortbread. <laughs> Chris, Christophe Lapointe, I put him down as a Garibaldi. Why? Because you, uh, he gets one attempt, like you have one attempt at that biscuit and you throw it away because it's absolutely disgusting. <laughs> Don't want to see it ever again near my mouth or on a pitch, right? <laughs> and then Johnny Williams, this is a bit of an odd one, right? Obviously, because it's coming from me. I've called it, I don't know if you call it biscuit, but I'd say a wagon wheel was a biscuit, right? Yeah, yeah, Agreed? I accept. The reason being is as a kid, I always hoped there was one in my lunchbox, right? And um, with Johnny Williams, I always want him to be on the team sheet, but obviously not in my lunchbox, right? But that's the reason why I've gone for a wagon wheel, because I think you always want him to be there. And, you know, I'm, start, I'm starting to get a bit worried because I'm getting like Tom now. I'm starting to have a little bit of an infatuation with Johnny Williams. Um, but, yeah, not his lunchbox, but, yeah, just that... Um, I always wanted to be on the team sheet. That's my one anyway. And my often three. they come out of the packet broken as well, I guess, which is unfortunate. Right, Terry. Exactly. Terry, Charlton players as biscuits. Well, um, I, I start off with uh, Darren Pratt. I've got three as well. Um, I start off with Darren Pratt as the whole knob. Uh, an absolute warrior of a biscuit. Hard as nails. Uh, might be a bit dated now, but always gives 100% utterly dependent performance from a hobnob. You know where you stand. Uh, my second one, sadly, probably Lewis Page uh, as a digestive. Because it don't matter how carefully you take one out of a packet or a box, there's always a bit broken off and left behind. Always. <laughs> Just can't help it. You, no matter how carefully you try and take uh, a digestive out of a packet or Lewis Page out of a, out of a dressing room, it's always <laughs> going to break. So uh, that's, that's my second one. And then a very similar to Nathan, actually, but for slightly different reasons, Johnny Williams. He'd be my chocolate chip cookie. Again, for similar reasons, Nathan, it's amongst the best of all biscuits, a chocolate chip cookie for me. Always, always, when you open a packet of, if a selection box, for example, you'd always want a chocolate chip cookie in there. Uh, sadly, though, uh, like the chocolate chip cookie in Johnny Williams, 
don't always get them. You don't always appear in your selection. So sadly, uh, it don't you don't get it as often as you want. Lovely stuff, right, uh, Lewis? Charlton players as biscuits. Yeah. So uh, starting off, I went for Lyle Taylor. It's one of those lovely, like solid chocolate rounds that are so thick and they don't crumble. So a bit like Lyle Taylor when he takes a penalty, doesn't crumble under the pressure, keeps us all, <laughs> you know, on the edge of our seats with that walking run up, but he doesn't crumble whatsoever. Um, I also went for Nabi Sar uh, as a everybody's sort of guilty pleasure biscuit, you know, a party ring or a fruit shortcake, something you wouldn't admit to being your favourite, but he's at everyone's guilty pleasure. You look back to his difficult start in SE7 and you look at how many people now turn around and say he's probably one of their favourite players. It's, it's, a, it's a real turnaround. And similar to Tell, uh, with the other one, I went for Lewis Page, but I went for a Kit Kat. You can qualify Kit Kat as a biscuit because he seems to break too easily. <laughs> Nice. Right. And uh, finally, uh, Tom, last question before the break. Um, Charlton players as biscuits. Well, I'm just joining the rest, really, and there's Johnny Williams loving. Um, <laughs> I've picked him as a chocolate hobnob in particular, but that's my personal choice. But the reasoning same as everyone else, because it's the best one. Um, <laughs> you know, no no frills around that answer. Um, secondly, I've gone for Darren Prattley as a penguin. Um, and the reason I've gone for that is that they've been around a long time. Um, very experienced biscuit. But I find the new biscuits that come along, the newer, younger blood, you still get a penguin and they're just as good. Um, and also, they obviously bring a little bit extra with the balance on the packet. You know, you've got the little joke. Um, and Prattley's a bit of a joker around the camp as well. Good for the younger biscuits coming through. Um, so I've got to have him as a, as a penguin. Um, and then lastly, Josh Cullen. Um, and I've gone for him as a, as a digestive. Um, and I think that's because you're never going to get someone who says just a, a plain digestive is their favourite biscuit. But no tin is complete without one. Um, and if you go into your biscuit tin and there's no digestives there, you've got a bit of a problem, I think, a, a leaky bottom of the tin. Um, <laughs> and you'd notice if it was missing. So it's just one that you need. It's always going to deliver. It's reliable. Um, and it's not going to be your favourite. But when it's not there, you certainly notice that it's not. Good stuff. Right, we're on the home straight uh, in Charlton Live. Does fighting talk. Let's go to a quick break. We'll be back in 30 seconds. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across. Bowers there. Pierce is there. Bowers with a header. And it's done. Yes! 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 Oh, he's got Oh, Patrick Barr! You absolute German beauty! Woo! Dream lads! Charlton have scored! With seconds remaining! We've done it all! Guess it! Come on! What a time to be here! Here at Wembley! Oh my word! Oh my word! Charlton Live! So welcome back, it's Charlton Live does fighting talk on this week's pod, trying something uh, a little bit different. We're, uh, what, three quarters of the way uh, through the questions now. The scores are very tight, there's only two points between uh, last place and first place. So all to play for as the guys try to get into uh, defend the indefensible at the end of the show to win the chance to be crowned the winner of Charlton Live does fighting talk. So question seven, uh, we're supposed to be at St Andrews today, aren't we, to face uh, Birmingham City? Alas, of course, we can't be there. But let's reminisce then instead. If you could relive one game from this season, uh, which one would you go back in time to watch and why? First up, let's have uh, Lewis. Which game would you love to relive from this season? Uh, so I would love to relive uh, our home win against Derby County uh, back in October. 3-0 mm. uh, home win. 
I thought we were incredible that day. We were missing a couple of players as well. Conor Gallagher's goal was was special as well. I mean, that was that was remarkable. One of the best live goals I've seen. Um, and I was, but I was also tempted to say the Fulham Fulham away trip that we had, um, where we had to get a boat party with Nathan at about. I think we actually left Greenwich at about eight a.m. So I found myself <laughs> completely bladdered by by about nine in the morning. And by the time we got to the game, I was all over the place. So <laughs> for, for two completely different reasons, I was torn between the Derby game for the for our performance and the, the Fulham game yeah. purely for the fact that we were all on the boat uh, getting a little bit too merry uh, yeah. in the morning of that day. Yeah, I should have been doing that for Brentford as well. Uh, Terry, which game would you love to go back to from this season? Well, I thought about the Derby game because it was such a good performance, but I've gone <clears throat> actually for uh, for Nottingham Forest away back in February when we won one nil. We had all the ingredients. I mean, there's a couple of reasons um, I wanted to pick this one. Uh, yeah, the ingredients are there: night game on the road after a fairly dismal run of results, uh, an, op- an opposition team and set of fans that completely took the win for granted. They thought they were going to just comfortably, as did everybody, I think, outside of South East London. Uh, it had an absolute worldie of a strike from Lyle Taylor after that Nabby's just sublime cross. Uh, and then, of course, hanging on for grim death at the end and, and a quality away support. So it had all those ingredients. But also, when we, the face of the couple of old duffers that tried to stop us parking in the official car park <laughs> before the game. Um, before, I mean, they, it wasn't just us. They stopped everybody from Shelton, the, the officials, and everybody trying to park in the official car park. Uh, and they obviously expected us to get stuffed, and they were hoping, to get, I think, to give us some abuse on the back uh, when we returned. But uh, I'd like to have seen their face when they suddenly realised that they had, to, uh, they had to leave the car park and go back to their car before we got there <laughs> there we go right um, Nathan which game would you relive from this season and why uh, I think uh, for me it's got to be uh, QPR away at Loftus Road uh, I think obviously the game just before Christmas um, and obviously I mean the first half you know we, we weren't weren't at our best and Parroton was absolutely awful Um which, to be fair to the lad, you know, he doesn't have too many bad games. But, I mean, the, the, the scenes from Naby, you know, at the end was just unreal. Um, I mean, just, I think I was in cons with Greg that day. And, obviously, I think we lost it a little bit. And we got some some looks, shall we say, from the, <laughs> the QPR officials who are a bit further ahead of us. And there were just a couple of funny moments that me and Greg had on that game. And then after the game, we um, you go and interview the players. And Naby obviously come out. And we got shot in this little room. And when I say little, it's probably, it's, it's probably about a metre square. And um, Greg had to interview Nabby. And obviously, Greg isn't the tallest of men. Um, all good things come in small packages, though, don't they? But, <laughs> and the fact that Nabby had to sort of crouch down so he could get in focus with the camera. It was just it was just funny. It was hilarious. And um, just walking back. And then we obviously met met you boys, you and Amy and your brother and that for a drink. So I think for me, that was, it was just a funny day, an amazing day. And it was a great little Christmas present. Yeah. Great little, uh, great little uh, cameo on comms there at the end when, uh, when Nabby scored that goal. So Tom, uh, which one would you go for? Um, I've gone for Stoke at home. Um, I think second or third game of the season. I'd, uh, I'd just got engaged. So obviously from a personal point of view, a nice point in my life. Um, and then was commentating on the game, which obviously I enjoy. But you, you chuck in a, a Taylor thumping goal, a lovely little Jacko rehearsed set piece routine, and even an EK coming on and bulldozing a goal. It was just a great afternoon. And I know Stoke, like at this point in the season, or the point at which we'd stopped, Stoke weren't the best team in the in the in the league by any stretch. But when you get that fixture list at the start of the season and you see Stoke who've recently been in the Premier League and you look through that team sheet and see names like Joe Allen on there. You're expecting a good performance and, you know, Tom Ince, players like that. And we just came in and absolutely ripped them apart. And it was at that point of the season where I thought, yeah, we, we've arrived now. We deserve to be here. So that was just a great day. Um, I'd also weighed up the 1-0 loss against Middlesbrough, which was our last game before the coronavirus all hit. Basically, because I promise if I have to relive that game again, I'll never take a 1-0 defeat at home for granted in it ever again if it means I can watch <laughs> some more football. Yeah, exactly. I wish we could all be out there. Right into our last two questions. Uh, this week, The Guardian published a fascinating story uh, about the time that Charlton travelled to Paris to take on France in 1937. Well worth a uh, read if you haven't done so thus far. But it, that was the addicts making what we could probably be fair to describe as a somewhat unexpected ex- uh, appearance somewhere. You don't really expect to see um, Charlton taking on France and winning as well, we should say. Um, we, we've always been a massive club, obviously. Um, so I'd like to hear an example of a time when you've been surprised to see someone uh, down at the Valley. Let's start with Terry on this one, please. 
Well, I wasn't going to answer this because I'm a bit fed up with people asking me what the game was like. But um, <laughs> uh, I've got to say, um, I think I was really bloody amazed to see Lyle Taylor at the Valley in February because um, it seemed for all the world that he'd be gone in the January transfer. I think everybody was expecting him to go. Nobody expecting to be at the club uh, beyond the end of January. So to actually see Lyle Taylor at the Valley in February was uh, was amazing, especially given what we know now. <laughs> you know, and I'm surprised mm-hmm. our uh, executive chairman at the time hadn't swapped him for a range of savoury snacks or half an hour's rent of his London flat. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Right, um, uh, Tom, who, who, who was the uh, person you were most surprised to see at the Valley? Yeah, so when you hear the name, you'll realise that he's a Charlton fan, so maybe not such a surprise. But when I used to come down with my granddad and we used to park at the Valley, um, Chris Parks used to sort us out a little spot. So we used to go into the little reception there and just see, see Parksy and just say, look, thanks for sorting that out for us. So we were in there and sitting there waiting and I hear my granddad start to get into conversation with someone and I recognise the voice and I think, oh, I wonder who that is, but... I'm busy doing something else anyway. And he's talking to him about the M25 and the delays. And I think that's a bit strange, Grandad. We didn't even come on the M25. So <laughs> why are you talking about understanding these delays and knowing what's going on anyway? Eventually turned around and it was Jim Davidson. <laughs> and, uh, he was talking to him about his journey in. And, and then we left uh, left the reception, bumped into Parks and left. I went, Grandad, do you know who that was? And he was like, no. And I was like, oh, it's Jim Davidson. He was like, oh, yeah, 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 Jim da-. No idea who he was. Not a, <laughs> not a clue. Just, just had a lovely chat to him about a road we didn't even travel on on the way to the game. Well, there we go. At least he was being polite. <laughs> uh, right, uh, Nathan, who's the person you've bumped into or seen at the Valley uh, when you least expected to? I think T- Terry's touched on it already in the earlier question. But it's got to be Ian Dowie. I mean, that mess of a human, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know, listen, when you see him, you see him on telly and all that, and he looks like a sloth in the Goonies. Yeah, but then you see him in real life, and my word, he's only got a face that a mother can love in it. But <laughs> listen, it was the reason being, he man, he he come from Palace and all that, and it, it just seemed it just didn't sit right when he come there. So when he come to us, and then obviously that like Tal said earlier, it was like a snowball effect, and it just got ponier and ponier, if that's a word, as as, as the years go by. Do you know what I mean? So for me, it's got to be in Dowie because hey, he's just a, he's just look at him, just look at him. Like, <laughs> Right, just look at the guy. But he's, yeah, he's that's got, me. I just couldn't believe he was there. Got a constantly surprised look on his face, isn't he? Right, <laughs> uh, uh, right. Finally, Lewis, who was the person you saw at the valley when you least expected to? Well, I mean, this one sticks out in uh, in recent memory for me. You'd only have to go back a couple of seasons ago when we beat Bristol Rovers at the Valley. Josh McGuinness hat trick, which was a rarity in its in itself, um, was uh, pop star or acclaimed pop star Bit Ling who was sat in the East Stand <laughs> with a load of space invaders <laughs> dancing around for the whole game, which I think, you know, when you're rocking up to the to the Valley in an early early January fixture, freezing cold, uh, I kind of thought that it was lucky that the game was as good as it was, really, because I think you'd have been distracted by it all game. There were a couple of, you know, she had a sign saying curry and bip bip and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> and, uh, it was, and I think she actually went on and played a gig in, uh, in one of the pubs in Charlton Village that Yeah, night. it was at the top. I was in there. I, was in the, I think it was in the Bugle, I think. <laughs> yeah, and then after that, never heard from her again until a random article popped up in the press that she apparently had an alleged affair with Prime Minister Boris Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing that again, yeah. Um, not entirely sure how true it was, but it was a fun little rumour uh, that went around. Right, we're still there's still only two points in it between the four as we go into our final a regular question. It's an audio question as well, uh, and it relates uh, to this. We showed until the last second... A good desire, and they got rewarded for it. Uh, so they still, the whole team show that they really want, really want, really want. Want, really, really want. Want, really, really want. Really, really, really. If you wanna be my lover. So there we go, classic Charlton Live clip uh, there of when Carol Fry decided to join the Spice Girls. I think it was after Bristol City away when um, me and him had had a bit of a strange conversation. Uh, so, right, let's go into it then. I want to know who out of the Charlton players, past or present, do you think would fit nicely into a pop band? Let's go with Nathan first, please. Yeah, I've gone um, I've gone with some staff, Lou. I ain't gone with players. I've gone with um, Matt Southall, Jonathan Heller and Tanoon. Um, and they're called the E Street Boys. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, they've got some songs in there. I mean, I don't know if there's any other Backstreet Boys fans. You know, you've got songs like Incomplete. 
this goes well down with our taker over, obviously, um, and stuff like that. And then what happens is Matt and Jonathan leave East Street Boys, unfortunately, and then they form their own band called Busted. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, that's who I'd probably have in there. And I think that they could sing quite a good tune, you know, good good PR people and always seem good in the spotlight. So, uh, right. yeah, that's my choice, mate. I like it. They could have been called the Backhand Boys as well. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, pop band, Charlton characters, uh, let's go for Terry up next. Yeah, well, after what Nave said, the whole club could be called Madness, couldn't it, Rich? <laughs> but um, Charlton plays in a band. I've, I've, I've gone with three. Um, it's going to be a trio. Uh, Dylan Phillips got to be lead singer. I mean, he, he can clearly hold a note. If you get see what I did there, uh, he gets the crowd joining in every time. Twist and shout, obviously, his signature song. So uh, Dylan's got to be the uh, the lead singer there. Then I'm going to show a slightly stranger instrument. Nabi Sara as a harp. Um, because like a harp, uh, Nabby looks a little bit cumbersome. Uh, like Nabby, most would consider a harp, wouldn't consider a harp for a band at all. And like the harp, Nabby looks like he could fall over at any moment. But um, <laughs> just just like Nabby, you know, when played properly, what a tune you can get out of it. So uh, that's who I'd have as well. And then finally, I'd have Josh Cullen as, as a, a lead guitarist. Uh, the most influential of all instruments needs an influential player. So every band needs a quality lead guitarist, and you only really know how much you need one when he isn't there. Lovely stuff. Right, Lewis, it's your turn there. One of your last chance to grab some points here. Who would go into your Charlton band? Well, you know, I've gone for a duet on this one, uh, purely because of the lead singer's persona. So the lead singer, I've gone for Lyle Taylor, uh, purely because of his uh, his persona on the football pitch. If that would also be reflected in his, on his stage persona, he'd like to be the, the one-man band. You know, he is the, the most important person in this group. Uh, and then on backup, I'd have, I've got Tom Lockyer after this week, his piano skills. A lovely little piano duet, uh, very similar to, to Elton John and Bernie Torpid. Actually, you could have uh, uh, Tom Lockyer writing the writing the uh, the lyrics, or Lyle Taylor write the lyrics, and Tom Lockyer writing the music. Uh, um, but obviously, ultimately, Lyle Taylor would be everyone's Elton John. He has to be the man in the spotlight. So I've gone for a duet of Lyle Taylor and Tom Lockyer. Lovely stuff. And final answer, Tom. Who would go into your band? Yeah, I've got a little uh, a chart and take that. So I've got Nabby in the Robbie Williams role. Um, loves the attention and I could see him happily just going on to a solo career um, I've got Lyle in the Gary Barlow role because he also loves the attention and I could see a little squabble breaking out between those two him being annoyed when Nabby goes off and gets all the attention um, but I feel Lyle you know he's solid he's a solid talented songwriter um, I've got Dylan Phillips as the Mark Owen of the group because the girls will all love him um, he'll get the odd opportunity to take the lead and you know, be the hero, but primarily he's going to leave that to the other boys. Um, Chris Solly in the Howard Donald role, because he's always there, he's reliable. You don't really notice him, and unless you're a real fan, you probably don't actually know who he is, but <laughs> just goes about his business and gets the job done. And then George Lapsley as Jason Orange. Um, maybe not the most talented, but he works hard, and uh, everyone likes him for his endeavour. And with those last two, you can be sure that if the band's still around in 20 years' time, both of those two would still be around as well. Lovely stuff. Right, so we're into any other business now. Anyone who listens to Fight and Talk usually knows that this is a chance for the contestants just to talk about anything they want. They've got about 20, 30 seconds to get uh, anything off their chest. Points are awarded for this round, though, and there's still only two points between top and bottom, so it's all to play for. Let's hope you have a good any other business to get into the final. Nathan, let's hear your one first. Yeah, so I've, all last week I've had a couple of things, you know, there's things that have been amusing, so this week I remembered to change my Netflix pass- password so the ex-wife can't get access to it, like that was, <laughs> was hilarious. Uh, the thing that irritates me is mates texting me saying, what are you up to today, bro? Are you serious? Nothing, same as yesterday. And then interesting ones, right? I don't know if anyone has this, if you have an iPhone, if you send an iMessage just saying pew pew, so P-E-W space P-E-W, it comes up with lasers. I ain't lying, try it. And then... Um, <laughs> The only, only other thing, only funny thing is, if anyone ain't seen it yet, is have a look at the the Twitter conversation between me and Ray Bates about my profile picture. Not anymore, I don't think it is. And <laughs> me looking at the pictures of the dogs. It's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. So yeah. have a look if you can. But that's what I've had for the last week. I've seen that one. Yeah, we could share that. Right, let's uh, let's have some any other business from Tom, please. I mean, I just want to talk about Freddie, uh, Freddie Overstad's Instagram, to be honest. <laughs> He's... Um, you know, I haven't forgotten about him. I know that Johnny Williams is my new love, but, you know, Freddie, Freddie never goes away as far as I'm concerned. Just because he's over there in, in Djurgard and winning the Swedish League doesn't mean I've forgotten all about him. And if you check his Twitter, he's having an absolutely lovely time with, with the missus and the, and the child. They're out. I, I assume they're self-isolating now, but the last posts are just a joy 
a family out and about at the beach doing things together as families should and it's just that little bit of positivity I need whenever I get down I just nip onto his Instagram and just remind myself that when all this is over hopefully we can all be with Freddie Olverstad at the beach having a great time yeah something uh, something we're all looking forward to in our, in our, in our own different ways <laughs> right Terry what's your offer ever uh, your, any other business please well, I'm not Tom. I haven't stalked anyone, I don't think. But, but what I have done, lockdowns made us all do some strange things uh, and different things. And I found myself playing computer Scrabble on the laptop. Now, obviously, I play at beginner level, so you can feel a bit superior with your five-letter belter of a word. Uh, and then the problem is, just when you get your score of 250, it seems unassailable against the paltry effort of 190 from the computer. And with only five letters left, you think you've nailed it. It sticks a Z and a Q in the middle of two existing words on the board. And suddenly, Zephyr and Zuckiba are perfectly acceptable words that nobody's ever heard of or used, but simply a tickly blue in the Scrabble world all of a sudden. They just happen to be placed on triple word and double word scores, and he gets 100 points out of it, and I lose. Uh, and just because it's on a laptop, I can't even throw the board in the air and majestically send the letters scattering across the floor and storm off in a huff. Oh. Like all good losers. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, let's hope you don't lose today then, because I don't want to see, I don't want to see you throwing <laughs> stuff around the room. Uh, right, final, final any other business uh, will be from Lewis, please. Yeah, so one thing that's annoyed me actually this week and my other business has to be the, the Premier League and the EFL's meetings regarding the uh, the coronavirus uh, situation. The fact that we have these big hyped up meetings and you get news flashes on your phone from various sporting news outlets saying big, big decisions to be made today, big decisions to be made today. And it's the same thing every week. It's, oh... We might, we may try and finish it this time. We may try and finish it this time. It seems all a little bit tiptoe, and it's getting on my nerves. And in line with that, the SPFL's decision to uh, to confirm that uh, Plastic Thistle are going to get relegated uh, this season, although they've got a game in hand, if they win that game in hand, they'd be in uh, in touching distance of safety. I don't quite understand how uh, how you can sort of you know finish a season and, and determine how that's going to end mm. if anything is mathematically possible. Yeah. Um, so I think the lack of any direction in how they're going to finish the football season uh, has been my biggest annoyance, and especially for people like Plastic Thistle. I mean, I know that Scottish football is a little bit Mickey Mouse and probably doesn't get the same coverage as the Premier League and the EFL does, but uh, still big financial, um, you know, a financial hit in difficult times for a club like Plastic Thistle yeah. to be relegated when they've got every every chance of getting out of that position. Yes, yeah, so that's a dangerous precedent as well, with Charlton just dropping into the relegation zone literally the game before uh, the, uh, well, the, the lockdown started. Right, so uh, let's get the final scores and find out who's going in to uh, defend the indefensible. So uh, in last place, it was really close between all of you. On 33 points was Nathan. Uh, there's a tie for second place, 34, uh, Lewis and Tom. 35 points is Terry. So Terry, you're through to the final two, and I'm going to let you pick who you want to come through to the final between Lewis and Tom then. So you have to try and decide who do you think will be the worst at defending uh, the indefensible. Is that is that basically passing the buck is what you're doing? <laughs> Go on then. Who would, you, who would you like to face? Uh, I'll tell you what. Um, I think because uh, because I just want to hear another Freddie Augustad story. Uh, so, sorry, Lewis, I'm going to go with Tom. Uh, so there we go. So it's going to be Tom and Terry through to uh, the final. Right, so Terry, because you came first, uh, you're going to go first. So just to run through the rules again, you have to argue in favour of whatever I say, no matter how ridiculous it is. So I'm going to give you some words here. You're going to think it's ridiculous, but you have to spend exactly 20 seconds arguing uh, in favour of it. And you have to feel that entire 20 seconds. You can't go back on it. You can't bottle it. If you bottle it, you completely lose uh, as well. There's no repetition. And like I say, you have to feel the entire 20 seconds. So I'm going to I'm gonna let you know when the 20 seconds has started. I'll let you know when the 20 seconds has finished uh, as well. Uh, so Terry, you're going to go first. Okay, so you have to defend this. Whatever I say, you have to defend it. And as soon as I've read it, I'm going to say go and you have to go. So I, Terry Smith, think this. Something Scott Parker didn't do was earn enough money out of his move to Chelsea back in the day. So that's why I'm going to dip into my pension pot to pay for him to come back to the Valley and replace Lee Boyer as manager. You've got 20 seconds, go. Well, absolutely. I mean, clearly he didn't earn enough money because he only bought the one car. And everybody knows 
the players of his standard uh, and people of his character need more than one car. They need uh, a car for the weekend. They need uh, uh, at least two Rolls Royces. So absolutely, I'd, I'd dip into my pension. I'd tell the wife, no, forget the holidays. I need this man at the club because who else can drive us forward better than somebody who's got enough oh. money for at least 20 cars? Lovely. Oh, that's a very, very, very strong defend the indefensible uh, from uh, from Terry there. So, Tom, that's what you're up against. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is defend it indefensible again. Uh, don't whatever I say, you have to defend it. Right. So this is Tom. Uh, Tanun the mayor may have to prove himself or his source and sufficiency of funds to the FL, but he's already won me over. In fact, he had me at the word bitches. Well, I completely agree. Who doesn't want bitches and Range Rovers from their football club? I'm not interested in the football. Uh, you know, we've done that season after season. What we need now is a bit of a change. So let's get the women in. Let's get the cars in. <laughs> let's make it the seediest, dirtiest little football club that ever existed. And let's just watch all that Arab money run in and be Stop. one of those dirty clubs. <laughs> Lovely. Wow. That was, I have to say, I was, uh, I was worried about how Defend the Indefensible was going to go because you haven't done it before. But that was too... Very, very strong answers. It's up to me to Surely pick... you should have points deducted for not mentioning Freddie Overstead. That's the only reason he was in there. <laughs> well, Terry's <laughs> played his own game. In fact, I'm going to award uh, the win there to Tom. Uh, so Tom is the yeah, winner well, of Tom. Tom Live Does Fight and Talk. Congratulations to Tom. Uh, thank you to Nathan, to Terry, to Lewis and to Tom for coming on. I've been Louis Mendes. I hope you've enjoyed the show and we shall see you again next week. Before we go back on, Tom, can you um, next time you do your your um, you know when you kick your pants in the bin naked, can you get Amy to film it for a place?